All right, welcome to another episode of Your Church Friends. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And so last week we looked at the Beatitudes, or the last episode, the Beatitudes, and went through all of those. So we're going to just continue on with the Sermon on the Mount and look at the next few verses. Um, so I'll just read them and then we could go from there. Chapter 5, verse 13 of Matthew. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on a stand and give it li- and it gives light to everyone in the house. It is the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So the beginning of this was a nice tongue twister. <laughs> I'm glad you read it. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth, but if it loses saltiness, it can't be salting again. And salty, salty, salty. Wow. As Jesus gets continuing on with the like Sermon on the Mount here, he jumps into this next phase of it. You know, blessed are those was the beginning of it. Kind of what we talked about last time, the revolutionary idea of like, whoa, blessed, I can be blessed um, or have this perfect happiness or this divine happiness. And then he goes into the salt of the earth and he starts off with you. And when I looked into that, like when he's starting off with you, I was like, well, is he talking to me personally? Is he talking to the people he's talking? Who was the you? That's always a good question because a lot of times we can read the Bible and anytime a you is mentioned or a people group is mentioned, like it's easy to associate ourselves with it. And it's like, we got to remember, we aren't always the direct audience. So that's a very good question to ask. Right. What'd you come up with? Well, I, I, I looked at it and it said, uh, uh, basically anyone who follows him or the followers of Jesus. So when we go back to he pulled his disciples and came up to him, but there was still a large crowd. His disciples came to him and he began to preach. So it's basically from this you, it's people who follow Christ or follow God. Right. So and even looking at that, then that you would encapsulate the type of person that we described on the last podcast episode, the types of people who are those blessed people who hunger and thirst for righteousness and all those things, right? So it's like, if, if that's you, then this is you. Like, you know, if you're that type of blessed mm-hmm. person, now you are the salt and you are the light. But you brought up disciple. What's disciple? <laughs> I didn't know I was going to get grilled here with well, questions. Well, no, I just got to ask the question <laughs> that other people might be asking. So a disciple would be someone who follows the disciplines of God or the things, the, I don't want to say rules, but what he, how he directs us and follows those. Right. And another easy word is just a student, right? Yeah. So Jesus is a teacher. We're the student. We're following the disciplines and the teachings. Mm-hmm. Right on. So just to make it easier. And then he goes into it with, uh, with salt. So he starts off with salt, the tongue twister of all. But why salt? What's its purpose? Well, there's all kinds of purposes for salt, right? Mm-hmm. So what is its purpose? Or are you grilling me now? Is yes, it yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, generally salt is going to have an impact on something, right? So if you're looking at it, the two general ones that will get brought up is either as a preservative or as a flavoring or as a season. So back then, Jesus, they they didn't have refrigerators, so they used salt as a preservative. You'd salt the meat. So the salt was something that impacted the meat in the way as far as a preservative. But obviously, if you didn't put that much salt, then it was just a flavoring, in which case it impacts it to bring out more flavor. So... I would kind of see it that way. I know that those are two ways that I've commonly heard it taught Mm -hmm. is both as a preservative and as a flavoring. Um, But I definitely see the salt as an agent that impacts something else because by itself, it's just that weird white crystals. It's like, okay, like I've 
I don't want to pour salt on my tongue. Like it's good for something else. Right. I I looked at it too. The I had that the flavoring preserving. I also had healing and cleansing, like a wound. You know, if you put salt on a wound, it stings, but it's doing its job to heal it. But I think when I when I looked at this, Jesus was giving us a purpose here, and you brought up the preserving of meat, and I, for me, it's where I locked down the most on it. It was the preserving of meat from decay, mm-hmm. from dying, and basically. When he's saying you are the salt of the earth, he's telling us Christians, us disciples, that we're here to slow down the decay of the world. So that us being here, we give salt to things and that slows down the the decay of sin and what's going on and people not following Christ in a sense, being locked into the world, non-Christians. And we should be that salt that prevents that. I think even in that, you said that you kind of locked in more to that. Mm-hmm. And that's probably where I am as well. But a lot of times the Bible is multifaceted and it's good to be able to hold more than one thing at a time because there are different perspectives to where it can apply. So I think that even you bringing out the the purification aspect, that's there. I know that sometimes when you look at a word, if you study it in the Bible and you kind of go, cool, where else is salt brought up? And salt was added to like Levitical sacrifices. So there's like covenantal salt and stuff. Not everything is a direct one-to-one correlation. Sometimes there's a definition that gets brought out more. But I think that it's good to be able to have a fuller picture. Right. And even the flavoring of it. Salt adds flavor to something. So we get... Like, I like... What did you say again? Salt is... It's inter... Impacts? Impacts. The moment salt hits something, it changes it. it. It integrates with it and overtakes it. And that alone, the idea is so cool when we sit here and think about that. Yeah, and the reaction was all, I don't know why, when you said that, I started to smile because I just watched Bugs Life recently with my wife and daughter, and there's the slug that comes up, mm-hmm. and they're in the bar scene, and he goes and he takes a bite of his food, and he's like, I said no salt, and he starts foaming up because <laughs> salt and a slug, they react in a certain way. So yeah, when we're considering ourselves as salt, how do we react and interact with mm-hmm. the world around us, and bringing up that that flavoring, I think that God is a God of beauty, and just the way that he created things and the wonder that's in creation. So for us to be able to bring that out, like as a magnification salt, like, you know, bringing that in as far as seasoning goes, I think that that's something that can get lost in Christianity. It's like, let's bring out the beautifulness of the world and, mm. you know, just the creative side of everything. But I'm with you. I probably default more to the um, preservative as far as the world is decaying and we're there to preserve. Yeah, I really look at it and it's just kind of this mission and this task that we can't let this place go to decay. And then I, looking at the term preserve, there's also the idea that we're here to preserve the truth and goodness. So yeah, we can't let the word world go to decay. We're here to preserve it. But we could do that by preserving the truth and, and preserving goodness out here. So we know what the truth is. Jesus himself clarifies it when he says, I am the truth, the way and the light, which we'll get into that second part a little later. But we got the truth in our hand and if we're not offering up people the truth or we don't preserve that truth and we let my own interpretations manipulate what the truth is or i always heard that like we can make god a false god by saying well my god won't do this or my god couldn't do that and in that moment once we say that we've now created god into something else other than what he is so we need to keep what the truth is and keep everything based off of what the bible which is diligent work. Mm-hmm. The Bible, it's 66 books in, you know, the Protestant Bible that most of us use. And it's spanned across, you know, 
thousands of years, tons of different authors, a huge narrative storyline that's intertwined, written to, as we we're talking about, the, the audience. You know, thousands of years ago, they were looking at different stuff. So to be able to look at what that truth is, it, there is an onus on us as Christians to, you have a responsibility to correctly understand this thing. Now, your salvation you know, may or may not depend on that. You know, we don't need to be knowledgeable in all things in order to have a relationship with God, but he wants us to be growing in that knowledge, definitely. And keeping that knowledge, it's so important to like keeping the truth. The knowledge will get us to the truth. So I looked at it that way. I really saw it as preserving. We, we preserve the world, we preserve the truth. But then something stuck out to me when I was reading it was, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I, picture it as being Jesus asking a rhetorical question because really if you look at sodium chloride there's no it's a solid so there's it's a stable compound there's no way it can lose its saltiness but it can be contaminated by something else so like a mixture of impurity so if you put something with salt like sugar you've messed up its saltiness Hmm. so you now you've mixed the impurities with it that's an interesting way because there is a lot of warnings about like don't get mixed in with the leaven of sin and mm-hmm. of bad teaching and everything. That's interesting. I always wondered about that too. Like how does salt become not salty? But I kind of just went, that's kind of not the point. The point is just like it's supposed to be this thing mm-hmm. and now it's just good for like road grit. Like, you know, throw it out. Mm-hmm. It's literally, again, if it's only usefulness is to impact something else and it can no longer impact something, then why do I care? Like, I don't want a container of this in my house anymore. Right. Toss it outside. Yeah. And the idea with me when I saw that is that uh, what he's warning us from is that if we allow ourselves to get mixed up with the impurities of the world, if we allow ourselves to go in that direction, then we can uh, get contaminated by the world. And then we no longer have saltiness in our lives. It's just so funny that normally like being salty in today's day and age, like is kind of not what Jesus is talking about here. But I'm not sure if you went over to Mark chapter 9, verse 50. There's kind of a parallel passage to this. And it says, Jesus talking says, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So it's interesting that having that mm-hmm. salt and the, the usefulness of that salt brings peace. And there's another spot where it's saltiness and it brings like friendship. So it's looking at our relationships between each other it's bringing that godly aspect of peace which kind of you would go to show okay well if i'm losing the saltiness then i'm losing peace right which is you know just another aspect of looking at it it made me think of um all this salt talk do you i might i'm a little older than you there were these kids praise cassette tapes and it was a book who sang them and like her name was salty uh, anyways, totally sidetracked, but it only just, found on VHS. Only <laughs> there's VHS and then cassettes of them. Yep. Also, I used to love listening to those things as a kid. That's salty with a PS, right? Is it? I think so. Kind of like the Psalms. I think it's like oh, salty. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Didn't know that part. Yeah, I, I really kind of again, this was something that I was like, wow, this is a, an interesting thing to look at. Is that we can be contaminated with the world. Um, and it, it just brought up a question of like, how does the world contaminate us? Then, if we're if we're salty and we're already salt and we're made for that purpose to purify or preserve the world, how do we get con- contaminated? Well, we get contaminated because Jesus, the the whole scriptures teach us how to live a pure life, to be pure in our heart, in our intention, and in our action. 
So contamination means that you're impure, right? Mm -hmm. So our thinking becomes impure. And I think that even psychology will teach us, you know, everything starts with our thinking. So if your thinking is off, then you're going to end up with bad, you know, behaviors from that point. And that's where scripture also says, be renewed in your mind. So I think that a lot of the impurity comes from the way that we think about things. So the way that I relate with people comes to how I think about them, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at somebody who's racist, they think about somebody of another race in a certain way. It starts in their mind and it comes out. If you look at somebody who's you know, doing any type of anything, it starts with the way that they think about it and what their desires are. So for me, I would say it definitely comes down to self-examination and what we're allowing in there, but to be able to compare it to Jesus's life and his teachings. That's kind of the standard to where mm -hmm. we can see what does pure look like? Now, where do I not match pure? You know, the moment I've noticed where maybe I'm not the best salt in the bunch is when I've not pursued a relationship with God. So when I've kind of let myself just kind of slip into doing things that I know aren't right or being a person who I know isn't right and I'm not in the word every day or I'm not keeping myself accountable with a friend. Um, that's when I kind of start doing that. And we were actually just talking about it before we started recording of a pastor who's no longer pastoring, pretty famous one, because it kind of ties in with what Jesus says. If it loses salty, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by man. But the idea of like we can basically Jesus saying is you're tasteless, you're worthless, it, you're worthless. So when we lose that saltiness, it's kind of hard to come back from. People all around, one of the things that kind of gets knocked out about the church is like they start going through these pastors who were famous and who have fallen. And that does a lot. And it always makes me think of like, there's always a road for redemption for them. There has to be. It's so hard to come back once you've lost your credibility. That's where I was going with it. That was the question I want to ask from the beginning of this, but it took me that long road to get to that. <laughs> like, it's so hard once you've lost your credibility which is the great warning not to, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the huge thing here is that we're reading in Matthew and in Matthew, plenty of times the author uses the being thrown out language as language of judgment. Anytime you see that language of thrown out, it happens maybe like seven or so times. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere around there, um, it's always like a very bad judgment going on. So Jesus is bringing that language here saying like, there is judgment for you, like you are the salt. And if you lose that, like there's judgment for that. And I think that it's a very wise thing to take judgments seriously, and to avoid being on the wrong side of them. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, that's kind of shocking. I don't want to be there versus finding yourself in that situation. Right. You know, kind of put up the guardrails beforehand. When I was reading it, though, I kind of brought up this thing the fact that here's Jesus and he's looking at his followers telling them that they are the salt, which you would think like, oh, you're the Messiah. You're the salt. You're doing the mm -hmm. thing. But he's turning around and be like, I'm teaching you and you're the salt. So it's kind of like he gives that responsibility, but also that, again, the judgment that's involved. There's a guy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and there's a quote from him says, when Jesus calls his disciples the salt instead of calling himself the salt, this transfers his efficacy on earth to them. He brings them into his work. But he adds the warning of Jesus. The call of Jesus Christ means being salt of the earth or being destroyed. 
so it's, he left us here with a purpose and the moment we don't fulfill that purpose there is uh gosh for lack of a better term punishment yeah and like you said you know you're trampled underfoot by men and what happens with all of those pastors like you get chewed up spit out trampled underfoot and the rest of it it's like it's not a pretty thing to go through mm-hmm. and that's not anything that jesus is like trying to put on us he's like oh if you don't listen to me this is going to happen like it's the natural reaction that if you're stepping forward to you know be this beacon of light which we're going to get to to be this preservative to be this flavoring and then you turn out to be impure and like all messed up and everything is like the natural reaction is that the world will trample you down yeah. Like, I don't think that it's Jesus, like, pronouncing, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to get you. I think he's, like, giving the warning, like, hey, you guys are following me, but walk this narrow road because if you slip off, like, you will get trampled. You know, the one thing I, I was trying to do was trying to say things nicely. But, like, Jesus here, he's not phrasing this nicely. There's an understanding that the people who read the, or heard him say it say, you are the salt of the earth. They got that. And they understood that, and they understood the trampled out, the thrown out, the the uselessness. And it's just like this warning of, if you don't do this, you're useless to me. And even the idea of like, as Christians, if we're not being the salt of the earth, if we're just coming to church and coming to service and sitting here and getting fed and just being a part of a service and then going out and just being average normal person who's not reflecting Christ, who's not showing Christ to anybody, who's not being a Christian outside or just not even doing anything. What Jesus is essentially saying here is you're worthless because you're doing nothing for the kingdom. You're not moving God forward. You're not preserving anything. You're not stopping the decay from hitting the earth. It's almost like a harsh warning. It is a harsh warning. It's very harsh. And I think we as Christians, especially in America, need to take this to heart because understanding the idea that I don't want to be worthless. I I would love to do just the smallest part I can, but I don't want to be worthless. I don't want to be just thrown out and trampled on. So it's this very stern warning. And it all when I was thinking about all of this, it's crazy how it comes after the blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, this list of like, blessed are those who are this, this and this. And then, but here's this. And it's kind of like even with the blessed, there was like, oh, that's good. Wait, persecution? Yeah, when did I stop nodding? <laughs> yeah, exactly what you said last time. Like, when did I stop nodding? And then it's like, I stopped nodding and then people were like, oh, I'm the salt of the earth. Oh, I can become worthless. Um, it just makes me wonder. And maybe it's a gut check that we have to ask ourselves is, are we being used by God or allowing ourselves to be used? Or are we just being worthless and just coming to a facility? I mean, right now we can't come to a facility. Thanks, COVID. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> But when we come back, is it going to be more than that? Are we going to actually take some things we learned and be impactful to the community we're in? I think what you said, doing that self-gut check, because you can get upset that Jesus said, you know, something that seems offensive or something like that, or that me and you, you know, however it is that we're trying to talk about it. But I think if you're actually honest with yourself, if you aren't being the salt, you probably feel worthless. Like you were saying, like you start, the impurities come in when mm-hmm. you get away from that track with God. And I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but it can feel pretty worthless when you know that there's something greater that God has and you're not in it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you're, you're just like, well, what am I doing? Like, this is empty. I'm filling myself up with empty stuff. Like, why? Right. So I think that some honesty with that gut check will go a long way that you I think we can verify Jesus's words mm-hmm. as I can say. Yeah, uh so we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and jump into the light. Sounds good. All right. 
Get ready to have your mind blown, for energy to fill your body, and for your soul to be excited as Murdoch reads this little light of mine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That was this little light of mine. Yeah! Hey Remy. Hey Casey, what are you up to? Oh, nothing, just watching some videos on YouTube. That's cool, what are you watching? Our dad's on their YouTube channel. Our dads have a YouTube channel? Yes, they do. They also have a Facebook group page and an Instagram account. Wow, really? What else do they have? They also have a Teespring account where they sell t-shirts. Where can I find this information? All the links can be found in the descriptions below. That's so awesome. What's the name of the channel again? It's your church friends. Get out of here, Reed! All right, we are back, and we're going to now look at the next half of what Jesus was talking about, um, the light. So I guess the same question as the last time, why light? I'm just going to do a quick refresher of it, you know, just come back to those verses. So Jesus saying, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, so just a little primer. Here we are. Mm -hmm. After those commercial breaks, here we are talking about light. And what was your question? Why light? Why light? It's a good question, um, especially because, you know, again, looking audience-wise and who's talking, who's hearing, and, and what it would mean is that in the Bible, the ancient world light a lot of time was connected to knowledge to truth to revelation and to love for example like you could pass the light on to others it was the whole thing of in philosophy becoming enlightened right mm -hmm. so the light representing all those things even in daniel 12 3 uh, so book in the one of the prophets in the old testament those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever so again, he's pulling on biblical imagery. Jesus was a student of the scriptures and he's bringing out this light. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but those are various <laughs> things that could get drawn on that Jesus was using. But I think that in the same way that salt impacts, light impacts, mm -hmm. light impacts darkness. Right. There's darkness and then when light comes, the darkness flees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you could say it that way. Yeah. And when we turn on a light and yeah, you were answering my question. I'm sorry. I got distracted by the sirens in the background. And they I really was trying to ignore it. No, it really threw me <laughs> off. I was like listening to it and I was like, wonder where they're going. Wait, Murdoch's talking to me. Uh, well, I was thinking there's lights on those sirens. Maybe I should pull it in yeah, for a point. Well, we but we lost it. Oh, well. Um, 
The idea, yes, light, it, it penetrates darkness to where you can't find darkness in light. Right. They're, they're like complete contrast of one another. Where there's darkness, there it has to be darkness. Where there's light, there's light. And when I think of this passage, it always makes me think of when I walk into a room, what's the first thing I do if it's dark? I find the light switch so I know where I'm walking. Um, we had a like a stool that we used for one of our couches in the in our sunroom. We had moved it into the bedroom because we were using it for um, when we would do Zoom calls so me and my wife could sit down on this thing together. And then I was just keeping it at the end of the bed. Well, we weren't used to this thing. And multiple times having that thing there in the dark, I would hear my wife go, ah, oh, darn it, or me, ah. Oh. And basically we're tripping over this couch that we thought or this cushion that we didn't know was there and we had completely forgot that it was there. So going into a room and turning on the light, it basically prevents us from tripping over something or prevents us from danger. Uh, And that's what I think about when Jesus says, you are the light. You are here to help prevent people from walking into danger by telling them the way you're living, you're going to cause harm to yourself. Yeah. And it's funny that you use that example because you said, what is the first thing? And there's a pause. I was wondering, are you asking me the question? Because I would have said the first thing you do is stub your toe on something and then you turn on the light because sometimes you think, oh, I know where I'm going. I know Mm -hmm. the layout. I can navigate here. And how many times have I banged my knee on stuff or whatever? Casey leaves her toys out and, you know, it's the classic Lego on the floor that's shooting pains up throughout your body when you step on it. So like you're saying, you know, people trying to navigate darkness but there's dangers within the darkness. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of those biblical themes, darkness and danger and chaos and all those things wrapped up. So being the light and again, Jesus telling his followers that they are the light and they're going out into the darkness to repel the darkness and also as a beacon for you know people to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure you ever been camping or you do something. And one, nope, one, I don't camp. Ah, that's right. Okay, so you've seen movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're somewhere and one person has a light. And Mm -hmm. everyone gets behind that person who has the light. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of, I see that as well. You know, he's sending them out as lights and people are attracted to the light and to Mm -hmm. be able to follow behind that. And then they become a light themselves. I think I liked what you were saying there. And it just made me totally think of this idea that like how arrogant we can become. And maybe Jesus is even warning us of our own arrogance. Like, no, I can navigate through the dark. I know the layout. I know where I'm walking and where I'm going, and there's no way I'm going to trip up. And then sure enough, it we trip up, and almost our arrogance allows us to think, I can navigate through all the darkness. When Jesus is saying, no, you're the light of the world, be a light, shine, so that way you don't have to worry about navigating through it or thinking that you can. And it kind of goes back to when Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the light. So basically, Jesus is saying, I'm the light, now you're the light because I am in you, my light is in you. Use my light to navigate through life. Does he say the way that you're in the light or the way that you're in the life? I don't know. But he says he's the light of the world. Yeah, he does at another point. Yeah. I got it. Wrong verse. We'll get it. But, you know, the idea is there that his light in us allows us to shine that light. And instead of me trying to navigate life with the darkness in me, use his light to navigate through life. And you brought it up when you're talking about the impurities and kind of what brings that in. And you're talking about getting away from some of those disciplines, right? As far as reading your Bible and the prayer and, you know, following what it is that you know. And it's the same thing I feel with the light and getting away from that. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it's a well-known verse. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. 
So when we're looking at how to navigate this, it's going to God's word and finding the light there. You know, here I am, I'm dealing with this situation. How am I supposed to handle this? I think that where Jesus ties it in, he talks about the light being our good works. Mm. So when we're looking at this darkness and we're looking at, I'm in this dark situation at my work or with my household or with whatever's going on, how do I handle this? The scriptures and what Jesus teaches and as we are disciples, right? We're, we're students. He's going to teach us how to have good works in that situation that we're not crushed by that circumstance, but we're actually shining bright. Right. So he doesn't say like, oh yeah, the darkness isn't going to be there. He's saying it's dark. Put yourself up on top of the hill like a city so that everyone can see it. You know, don't put a basket over yourself. Like let that light shine. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is darkness around you, but follow my teaching and you will shine through your action. And through that, while we're being a light on top of a hill, going through our day-to-day life, that light is hope to people in darkness. Right. And again, it's the same thing as salt. He's leaving us with kind of this um, this task to don't let the world decay. So make sure you're being like salt and making sure the meat is being preserved. And then be this light that gives hope, but also this light that exposes. Mm-hmm. It, the light that comes in and what you said like penetrates darkness, it exposes things. And sometimes we have to be light to fellow Christians and non-Christians alike and just be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Don't do that anymore. That's going to hurt you and expose that in their life. And I think that's hard to do when we're trying to do it in love or without love. When you're you're talking about that exposing, right? John 3.16 is probably the most well-known Bible verse that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So people know that one, but it goes on to say that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. And if I skip a couple verses there to 19, this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light that his works would be exposed. But whoever does what's true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So we see that even there that you know, Jesus coming in as a light. Here Jesus telling us that we're going out as lights mm-hmm. and that as we go, there will be two types of people. You're going to expose things, right? The things that we didn't see before, the Legos on the floor, the thing at the end of our mm-hmm. bed, that's now exposed. And when that's seen, people who want to stay in the darkness and stay hidden, they're going to hate the light. But then there's going to be people who are thankful and going, I know I'm so tired of stubbing my toe on that thing. Right. Thank you. Like, I'm going to follow this light. And we're like, hey, it's not my light. Like you said, it's the light Mm -hmm. of Jesus in us. And you can be a light yourself. Right. So we're just like lighting up other people that they can have illumination. So I see that two things like people who desire the goodness, they'll come to the light. But there also are those people who like being able to skulk around in, in the dark and kind of do that wickedness. So with all this, the some of the things I looked at, about 100 miles away was the Dead Sea. Mm-hmm. And as Jesus is where he's at, giving the Sermon on the Mount. And by the Dead Sea were this community of people where basically they wanted to live in the caves because they, uh, they want to flee the wicked world. And the irony of it is they called themselves the Sons of Light. And they lived in this cave to step away from Christians or from the world that's evil. And it just made me think of the, like, we are the light on top of the beacon. 
and how are we a light? And, and when you said that they like people just love to live in darkness, that we too as Christians can live in some form of darkness if we're containing our light, if we're putting that bowl over it. And I almost think like maybe he said that and kind of looked in that direction and like everyone knows what's going over there in the cave, like that weird cave over there of people who are living there. If you're my followers, don't be like that. Don't keep your light hidden. Keep your light out so that way the world can see it. Do you know if, besides the Sons of Light, if they're called the Essenes? Yes. Okay. So the Essenes, if you look at them... I just could not pronounce that word, so I went with the Sons of Light. Okay. Just, okay, they were doing that, but also the Essenes, if you get into their writings and the different stuff and the Dead Sea Scrolls and mm -hmm. all of that, the Essene people were actually the one that kept all of that stuff. So not purely negative as you're sounding, but like you're saying, like, cool, if you really think you are the light, you're just going to go live in a cave, like mm -hmm. what's going on? There was several years ago that I was thinking about writing a book and I wanted the cover art to be a flame with the church building coming down over it, quoting this verse. Mm. Don't hide your light under the basket mm -hmm. because so often the church building, like if all of us are light as Christians and we're all sitting in the church building, who can see that light? Right. Like think about all of the homes around your church. How many of those people have ever interacted with you as a light? Because the only time they see that light, it drives past their house, it pulls into the church parking <laughs> lot, and that light disappears under the basket of the church mm -hmm. building. The equivalent of the Essene cave, right? right? Here we are, we're the cave, and just like, why are we hiding? And I think you mentioned it just like, yeah, there, no, I mentioned that. <laughs> but the darkness <laughs> is there, and sometimes Christians can look like, man, the world is so dark, what's going on? It's like, yeah, the world is dark, go be the light. That it is a good point if we want to start looking at it now for today. Like, yes, the church could is that basket, that bowl that's dimming the light. And it seems like that's what we want to do. We want to be like the sons of light because I'm not going to even try to. Is it Essenes? I believe so. Okay. Is that or we're both pronouncing it wrong? That's cool. Uh, that we can be like that where we're just hiding in our cave. Oh, it's too wicked out there. Everyone come here and let's shelter here. But what Jesus is telling the disciples and the followers is, no, you are the light. You need to go out into the world. But there's that warning with the salt thing again. But don't let yourself get contaminated by the world. Be out in the world, but not contaminated by the world. Because we need to be out there to shine the light, to warn people from danger, to expose sin, to be a light to each other. So that way, if there's something that you're struggling with, I could go up to you and be like, Hey, Murdoch, I think this is something in your life and you need to take that out. And you could do the same thing for me. Um, and we do that with love. Uh, Tim Keller said, uh, the balance between love and truth is this, that love without truth is sentimentality and truth without love is harshness. So that we need to know that balance. Give correction in love, but with the truth behind it. You couldn't have given me that quote from my five minutes with your church friends video that I did <laughs> talking about the truth and the love. Thanks. Oh, you know, I didn't it's think good to it. bring it out here. No, but definitely, I think all of that's there. But this, what we're talking about, this mission, right? Because it is the mission and it's God's mission that he's giving us through Jesus, right? Jesus says, you're the light. And we're talking about the light going out into the darkness and exposing that and being able to be seen. It goes back, I mean, here's a couple times in the Old Testament in Isaiah uh, in 51.4. It says, listen to me, my people, hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations, right? So that's God saying that his justice will be a light to the nations and that that will come through the Israel, Israelites. 
And then in 63, it says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Mm. So, right, again, it's that two things. You're going out, your justice is going out into the nations and people will come and be drawn to your light. I just see that as so mission minded, Mm -hmm. right? Even in the Old Testament, the purpose of the Israelite nation was to go out to the Gentile nations and be the light. And here Jesus is coming and he's saying, cool, you guys are my followers. You are the light. We're not talking about the Torah. We're not talking about the temple. We're not talking about the nation. Whoever follows me is the light and you're to go out into the world. And like we said, we're going out into a broken, decaying Mm -hmm. world. You're salting it right? You're salting the world. You're enlightening the world and you're restoring them back to a proper relation. But I think that that will come with conflict Mm -hmm. because how can you come up against corruption and injustice without trying to fix that or, you know, protect the people who are being damaged by it? I think that the church is a very active role in being light. It's not just like, well, let me tell you about the good thing. Mm -hmm. You know what? Sometimes you got to get in the middle of that and fix the thing that's wrong. And I think the the best way we look at it is to do it with love and truth. You know, that's such a key ingredient because truth needs to be spoken. Truth needs to be said. Mm-hmm. But don't be a jerk and just speak truth. You know, say it with love. My wife uh, really doesn't like, I have a very dry sense of humor. And every once in a while, I'll say something just dry as can be. And it's a joke. And I know I'm joking. But she hears it and then it's like, ow, that hurt me. Why are you so rude? And then I'll come inside and be like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, you just said this and it hurt my feelings. And I was like, oh, I was just joking. It was my dry humor. No, it was me being a jerk. It was me saying something without love behind it. And we could do that as Christians. We can do that very easy. Just here's the truth. You're a sinner. You're going to hell. Yes, that's the truth. 100%. But is there a way we can say that with love behind it? Um Maybe that is the most loving way we could say it. But, you know, just being more with love. We don't want to be a jerk, but we also want to say the truth to it all. Uh, And I like all of this. Jesus is kind of coming down at the end. He says, you know, your deeds, uh, your good deeds uh, will be seen and uh, people will praise God for it. And I think it's because when you look at salt and light, they're both, they integrate into whatever they do. And they give, like salt rubs itself. When you rub salt on meat, you're rubbing it onto the meat to prevent decay. Light is bursting through the darkness and it's very uh it's a giving thing and not self-centered and i think when that's really shown out there people see god more than they see us a good point i like bringing that it's giving and not Mm self-centered because that's where jesus starts off his voice says if you want to follow me learn to deny yourself Mm -hmm. so he's teaching us to give and to serve people and yeah i like that point that you brought out yeah and we're left here to just show the world that there's a different way right you know, there's a different way of doing things and it doesn't have to be that stumble through the dark. You can just turn on this light and you'll walk through it. Um, John Stout, Stott, 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 uh, he said this, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically God, that God intended us to like penetrate the world that um, the Christian salt, it doesn't have any business just staying in a building or inside somewhere. Our place is to be rubbed in the secular community. And as the salt rubs in the meat, it's going to stop it from going bad. Kind of what we were talking about, the decay. But when society goes bad, what do we as Christians tend to do? We tend to like throw up our arms and like, oh, look how bad the world is coming. Jesus has to be coming back soon now because look at how bad everyone is. The world is going to hell, basically. And then we shout it. But what we really should be doing is looking at ourselves. Um, And what he ends his quote was this, is that one can hardly blame unsalted meat from going bad. It can't do anything else. The real question is, where's the salt? 
Ouch. Yeah, right? Like, where where are we? Where are we as the church, the salt and the light um, and all that? And, and with that, because I've always thought, because people can get so upset. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Christians can get so upset over people who aren't Christian because they don't live a Christian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you thinking? Like, they're not Christian. Why would you expect them to follow Jesus, who they might not have heard of? They don't know who the teachings are, and they have no idea why they should follow that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're holding them to a standard that they have no idea about. It's like, Or even if all they see is your salt and your light, and it's under a bowl or it's been contaminated, then you can't blame them because all they're seeing is this bad reflection of what they should have been. Yeah. Yeah. If if you are the salt and yeah. they are, you know, the meat or the, you're the light and they're the darkness, it's like if the darkness is remaining and the salt and the meat is still decaying, that's kind of on you, bud. Yeah. Which I'm pointing fingers at myself saying that. Yeah, it was a real ouch that Jesus kind of goes from this into this, like from the Beatitudes into the salt and light kind of parable of it all. Um, but it just kind of left me and uh, I'm going to close this, close up everything we're doing today with uh it's just with these questions that I think we all need to think about some big questions. Um, and the first one is basically if you're salt and light, if you are the salt and light, like Jesus said and, and told you, you are, um, what is your influence? Are you influencing the world or are you being contaminated and mixed in? Or is your light just kind of dim? The second question is uh, what in your life is making you lose your saltiness or dim your light? And I think that's important to really think about because I know for myself personally, there are things that make me lose my saltiness. Um, I know I have an anger problem and that doesn't really help my relationship with Christ or people to see me as being Christ-like when someone cuts me off. And here I go talking about my bad driving again. When someone cuts me off and then I retaliate, like that's not a good testimony. We need to get bumper stickers as merch. Yeah, we do. And you can have one. (laughs) I won't put it on my car. (laughs) Uh, And then the last question is, is your life pointing away from you and to the glory of God? And that kind of comes back to that last conversation we had about salt and light. It's giving. At the end of the day, none of this is about me. It's about God getting the glory of it all. I like that. And I think that that's a good spot to end that as Christians, we definitely want God to get the glory. And if we're looking around at a world that seems like they aren't giving our father the glory, then Jesus gives a really good thing. here. He says, hey, let your light shine that Mm -hmm. they can see your good works and then they'll glorify God. It's like, you know, let's not concentrate so much on other people. You can do good works. Right. I think that that's important for me to realize, like, you know what? I don't need to get discouraged by anything or get focused on like any of that. Just like, let me do the good works I can do and just trust that when people see that, they'll see God in and through me and give him glory. Yeah, that's a really good point. So let's wrap this up. Be salty and be a light and go out there and do that and be good disciples. I'm Chris. I'm Murdoch. And this is Your Church Friends. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.